Hello, and welcome to Career-ish, a podcast that explores the idea of what it means to build a career while disproving that building one has to be intimidating, scary, or completely planned. My name is Richard Sylvester, and I want to thank you for joining me today on what is episode three of season two, in which I chat with K alum Bill Gallagher. Now, it's been a few weeks since the last episode of this podcast was released, and for the sake of continuity, you'll hear me reference during this interview that at the time that this was recorded, it was actually mid-March. Now, I'll have more to say about that during the outro, but for right now, I just want you to know that I'm incredibly excited for you to hear this conversation with Bill. Now, Bill's an alum from the class of 2012, and he currently works as a platform management specialist at YouTube. During our conversation, we chatted about how his career interest changed while he was at K, how he didn't know what he wanted to do, and how he wound up at Google and later at YouTube. It was a great conversation, and it gives out a whole lot of really great and useful advice along the way that I know you will find useful. So after the short musical break, the next voices you will hear is my interview with Bill Gallagher, class of 2012. Be right back. My guest today is Bill Gallagher. He is an alum from the class of 2012. Um, he currently works at YouTube as a platform management specialist, and he has been working there for the past three years. And before then, he actually worked at Google for four years. So I'm excited to talk to him today about his career journey and how he got there. So Bill, welcome to my show. Thanks. My first time ever on a podcast. Listen to many, never been on one. You know, it's been a real interesting journey starting our own, and I must admit, I was pretty excited the first time I saw um, my show go up on, like, Spotify and iTunes. I'm like, you know, way more famous people have podcasts than me, and my podcast is up there with them. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, now if you meet a famous podcaster, you can say, we're basically the same, you know, yep. we, we have the me same and, job. Me and Joe Rogan, 100% the same person. <laughs> so, the first question I want to ask you is... um I was thinking about it today, and it just kind of occurred to me that we are quickly approaching um, one year from when, like, um, COVID kind of really started surging and we all started working from home. Um, and so I know that you are located on the West Coast, but talk to me a little bit about um, how has this past year been working from home for you? Yeah, uh, I think I've been extremely lucky that I've been able to keep my job through all of it. Um, so I was already working from home actually at that time because I had injured myself playing hockey and was working from home because I couldn't get into work. And I figured that I would have time to go back in and see my coworkers. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the span of three days, they said, well, you don't have to come in and then just don't come in. So obviously it's, it's been just a little bit longer than a year for me. I've been able to stay pretty connected with my, with my team, but I'm obviously getting a little bit little bit sick of working in this apartment. Luckily, in, um, in July, uh, my girlfriend and I decided to drive to Michigan because I am originally from Michigan. I'm from Ann Arbor. Awesome. So we drove across the country in about three days uh, and stayed in Michigan 
you know, got to see the summer in Michigan, got to see the early fall, which is of course delightful. We were able to go to Maine after taking COVID tests and were able to see my family, which was really great and just kind of get out of the city life that we have here. So again, we were, we were able to keep working through that because we were remote anyway. So we just worked on West Coast hours. So it obviously has been um, quite troubling in a lot of ways, but really, really, we were able to take, to make the most of it. So let's transition a little bit. And so uh, the next question I want to ask you is um, your current job title is a platform management specialist. Um, and can you talk a little bit about like what that is? Because like, they don't have that major in most colleges. I and mean, even when I read your title, I'm like, I'm sure it's something important. No idea what that is. Yeah, my job title has changed a couple of times since being at Google, since being at YouTube, YouTube being a part of Google. And uh, yeah, so the platform in question is referring basically to the support platform, the way that we support users at YouTube. One thing that I really like about it is that most people know what YouTube is. Most people use it pretty much every single day. So I'm able to really easily demonstrate it and just say, like, I'm able to take out my phone and say, here's the YouTube app, try to find help, try to get support with a problem that you're having. My goal is to make it so that you can find that support and make sure that whatever support you need is done really efficiently and, and you can find the answer to your question really quickly. Because I don't know about you, but I don't really like talking on the phone. I don't really like calling into places to find out like what the what the answer to my question is going to be. I'd much rather find it out by reading it or by chatting in or something like that. I was also a customer service agent for four years, so I I know like how upset many people are to call in in the first place. So uh, just trying to make that work as efficiently as possible for people and make it as as frictionless and and not annoying as possible is kind of my area of expertise. So the next question I'd like to ask is like, how did this career find you? Because um, I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure you didn't necessarily start college with the idea of like you wanted to end up here. Absolutely not. Um, I mean, I think even like when I got to college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I, when I look back, I'm, I'm sure I thought about it, but I, I don't think that I really put enough thought into it about what I wanted to do. I had wanted to be a journalist all through like my entire life until like I was in high school, my senior year of high school. And I just kind of decided, I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't make sense. It's uh, a troubling industry to be in uh, then even, and, and certainly more now. And so I became interested in anthropology and got an anthropology degree and I really liked it, but I knew that I didn't want to go to grad school. I didn't want to be a professor. Uh, I didn't want to I just, this was not the path for me. So when I got out of college, I, I got a couple of unpaid internships because I, I had this vague interest of politics or education or, or you know, like th these sort of improving uh, different ways of life. And I worked on a campaign and I was looking at after the campaign ended, maybe working in the state house of representatives as a, as an aide or something. But I, happened to go to the CCPD, which I had literally never used in college. Um, and, uh, and, and was like, help, what do I do? <laughs> like, who, like, how do, what do I do now? Like, am I just going to keep getting these unpaid internships? And, and like, hope that one of them turns into a, a, a job and that is like close enough to where I want to be that, that it works out. Um, and, and, you know, during that time, I, I remember I applied to like a tech startup through a friend as as an office manager, and they 
I went through a bunch of interviews and I really liked talking to them. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this job. And I didn't. I was just totally crushed. And I, I also, I had studied abroad in Japan and I loved it. And I wanted to go back more than anything. And I applied to be an English teacher there. And I didn't get that either. And I was, again, just crushed by that. And I was like, man, like, I didn't have that many ideas, but the ideas I did have are not working out. So I went to the CCPD and, and talked to them and I, I, I was like, I don't really know how to make a resume. Like I, I have the Microsoft Word template, but is like, what do I do with this? And I had seen on the like alumni LinkedIn that somebody was willing to refer people to Google, someone else who'd gone to K like eight years before me. And uh, so I, I said, okay, what do I do? Do I talk to this person? How do I make this happen? How do I network? And they said, oh, you should definitely go talk to them, ask them questions, ask them if they'll like submit you or, or whatever it is. And I was really nervous about it, but I, I went and met her at homecoming and I, she was very helpful. She did in fact refer me to Google. And then I, I was just like, well, they're going to interview me, but I thought of it as almost like a joke to myself. I was like, well, I've been reading about like the famous Google interviews for a long time. I've heard they're like impossibly hard. There's no way I'm going to get this. So I'm going to do my best, but I'm just going to treat this as this is practice for when I interview for jobs I'm actually going to get. And then I got it. <laughs> so uh, I think, you know, one thing that, that really did teach me is I found that after I started at Google, number one, uh, I got the job. Number two, somebody else from my graduating class at Kalamazoo also got the job, started at the exact same time as me. And we found out when we got there that the person who referred us got a bonus for referring anybody who actually got the job at Google. Oh. So I just like want to throw that out as like anybody, you know, I was so worried about networking, but really like she had every reason to want to refer me, you know, it wasn't like a big, uh, you know, it wasn't a big cost to her time or anything. She just referred me and then she got a bonus for referring people. And so lots of companies have stuff like that. So that's always something I try to tell people when they're really worried about networking is like a lot of times they'll get a lot of benefit out of it too. That's actually um, a really good tip and something that I actually didn't know. And I'll be sure to actually tell students that from now on. So, yeah, I know a lot of a lot of like big tech companies out here have things like that. Specifically, I I've worked in tech my entire time, so I uh, I guess I can't say specifically how it works with other big companies. But so I want to ask something um, because you mentioned that um, initially when you got to K, you were um, really thinking about possibly going into journalism. Um, and I'd like to ask you, like, how you came upon that. Um, and the, and just for a little bit of context, like, one of the things I find is that a lot of times, um, the things that we have this saying in our office that, like, you can't be what you can't see. And a lot of times I find that, um, the things that people think about are like their options are oftentimes defined for them by less, like, the things that they observe around them. So, like, how did you actually kind of, like, land on journalism? Yeah. Uh, my dad was a was a journalist to some degree. He was like a, a media relations person. He was a writer. He was writing news articles for a, um, a branch of the University of Michigan he worked at in Dearborn. So he wrote a lot. He had been writing his entire life. And I was one of those kids who just loved reading. I loved reading nonfiction. I really liked writing. And I didn't feel like I was like that creative a person. I didn't feel like, well, I'm going to write a novel or I'm going to write a, a short stories or, or poems but I wanted to write and I wanted to write about things that were interesting to me. So, you know, I was a kid who played a lot of sports or watched a lot of sports. And I was like, oh, it would be cool to get to be involved in this and, and write about these things or write about music or something like that. So yeah, it was definitely, there was a representation of it in my household. Sure. 
and I and like there were lots of books in the house by you know like nonfiction books by journalists and I just kind of read those read, read through those repeatedly through my childhood and it made me sort of it, it was something that I could see as an outcome and, and I'll say like going into K I definitely did not know and and this is true even today like I I did not know what jobs would be available to me when I graduated I was like well I'll figure it out then but there's nothing I can do now to understand like what jobs are out there I you know clearly that was not the right answer but that was just what my thinking was, was like well I'll find out when I graduate. So when you initially applied to Google, um, I'm sure, you know, applying to a company like with that large of a brand recognition, like was pretty intimidating. Um, so can you talk a little bit about like, if you remember even, cause it was a while ago, like what that interview process was like, how you got the confidence to actually like take the plunge and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I treated it almost a joke. I was like, there's no way I will get this, which I think let me get out of my head a little bit. And I, I did do a bunch of research because I was trying to join the ads team. I did a bunch of research on what Google ads were and everything. But uh, as it turned out, the really beneficial experience was that I had been working on a political campaign. I had been going and knocking doors and making phone calls. Um, and they found like, when, when I joined, three of the six people I joined with were fresh off working on political campaigns. Oh, so I think they, they were like, you know, it's really beneficial for you to have <laughs> been in this environment where you are knocking on people's doors. You are making, maybe making phone calls that people aren't that crazy about receiving at this time of year. Unfortunately, those phone calls really do work and they end up really driving, you know, voter turnout. But I can understand the, the position that anybody's in where they don't want to hear from somebody at that moment. And so when you're working in customer service, right, you're answering these calls that are, um, you know, people are not always the most pleased to be talking with you. So I think they really valued that. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I was trying to do some research. But the other funny thing that happened was I, I, you know, put on my calendar, here's my interview is, and I went and waited in the library across the street. The interview was in Ann Arbor is where I was from. I was able to walk there from my parents' house. I didn't even tell my parents I was interviewing, I don't think, because I didn't want to get their hopes up. And uh, I, I waited across the street in the library and they called me multiple times, but it was from a different number they'd been calling me from. So I didn't know who it was and I didn't answer. And I ended up being late for my interview. And I, just cause I had written the time down wrong or something. And I was like, oh no, well now I'm not gonna even get this interview practice. And I went over and I, I was like, I'm so sorry. I, I was just sitting at the library. I thought it was at two, it was at 1 PM. They're like, it's totally fine. Just come back in two days, we'll do it then. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, totally. And, you know, in retrospect, they had invested time in, you know, finding in, you know, like going through, they get tons of interview or tons of requests, but they had already invested the time in like looking at my application and saying, okay, we want to interview this person. So in retrospect, it kind of makes sense, but who knows, like maybe I would have gotten a much tougher interviewer. I don't know, but I went in, uh, I went into the interview and I, honestly, I was so worried about it being like them, I remember hearing they will ask you questions about like, all right, how many blue whales will fit in Trowbridge dorm or something, you know, like, like right, go yeah. back to your college. Like, and, and so I was really worried about that, but mostly they just asked, all right, here's a problem. How would you think through this problem? And I can't say I remember uh, any specifically, uh, but I do remember that it ended up being a lot easier than I thought it would. 
uh, and that it just felt like, and maybe it was just the people I interviewed with, but it just felt like a really nice conversation. And I have really tried to bring that to, uh, I, you know, I was, I've been interviewing people this week actually to join a, a team adjacent to mine. And I do really try to create that environment of, you know, like we are working on these problems. We don't have the right answers to these problems, but the best way for me to find out if you're going to work on this team is not to make you extremely stressed and then like make you really nervous, make you forget everything. Cause that's not the position you're going to be in. You're going to be doing this job as part of your routine. How do you think through things when they're, when they're part of your routine? So I do try to make it really, really welcoming for people because that made such a huge difference for me when I was interviewing and, and it did, it took, it took a lot of that pressure off that you were talking about where it's a big brand name company. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I think one of the things that you said that I really, really like is let's like the importance of being prepared for your internship or for your interview and doing the research. You know, one of the things I always tell uh, the students that I end up coaching is that, you know, you always have to think of that like there are tons and tons of people that apply to these things, tons and tons of people that are doing that are interviewing for these things. And somebody out there is doing the research, you know, they're going on their website, you know, they're tracking news stories, you know, they're doing all this additional work to show that they're invested in this company and that they do really want to work there. And if they're doing that much work and you're not, why then would they choose to hire you over them? You know? And so that's something that, that you said that I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. You have to, you, I think it's really helpful to have at least some idea of what you think you bring to a company because if you do, if you, if you really don't believe that you bring anything, it's going to be really hard to get around that in an interview. But if you know, and I'm not saying you have to think that you're good at everything. Like there's plenty of things that I'm really not good at, but being able to focus on the things that I am good at and say, look, if I join, I'm, I may not be able to do this, but I'm able to do this, this, and this, and that helps me get around this, this blind spot. It can make a huge difference as long as you are confident about what you are good at. So what's one thing you know now in your career that you wish you would have known when you started? Um, I think, like I said, the one of them was was the thing about networking where, and, and even still now when I hear networking, I kind of like shudder and I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to do that. But then I find out that I have done quite a bit of networking in the past and, and up to this point in my career. And it just at, at no point, at none of the points that have been extremely impactful, have I thought of it as being networking. Mm -hmm. um, it has mostly been me just talking to people and uh, trying to find out what their experience is like and what their job is like and what they're thinking about. And when I'm able to have those conversations with people, it's just interesting. And then they are able to see my interest in it and they may say, so for instance, I, at one point within Google, it, it's very supportive when they, for instance, stop, decided to stop focusing on a project. So at one point I was on a project, they decided to stop. We were like, okay, we're gonna turn this down. We're not gonna do this anymore. But because we have already got you into Google because we think you are already extremely good at your job. And you know, it's not because of your work that we're turning down this project. We're gonna give everybody a period of time to find a new job, which is extremely nice. Yeah, <laughs> this, you know, yeah exactly. It's like, okay, you are basically paying me to find a job. This is. And, you know, like someone like someone who had parents lose their job suddenly uh, is like ridiculous. Honestly, it was like when I heard about that, I was like, oh, OK, well, that's and, and certainly some people just didn't do it. You know, they said, OK, cool. You're going to pay me for this amount of time. See you later. I'm leaving. I'll get another job once this time ends. 
but I, you know, was looking for other jobs and I was having trouble with the interviews. And so I just did a little part-time role with YouTube. I was like, Hey, you need help with, with this thing. You can't actually hire somebody right now, but you need help with this for the next like month. Let me come in. I can help with this. And that way it gives me something to talk about on my resume. And just through working with them, they were impressed with me and they recommended me work on a different team. And that's how I ended up working at, at YouTube. And that was never part of my plan. I was not trying to network. I was just trying to kind of keep my skills in shape, you know? So again, that was networking without me really thinking of it as networking. And I think if you get out of that, is this networking, is this not networking and try to be genuine and authentic with people, it goes a long way. Yeah, that's something I totally agree on. You know, one of the things that I always try to tell students that like networking is just talking, you know, and more than anything, it doesn't even have to necessarily be career related. Basically, all you're trying to do is just have like a connection with somebody so that like in the future when they think of it and if somebody asks me, I'm just like, you know what? Bill was a really cool person to talk to. Like there's this thing that came up. I'm actually just going to send him an email and like mention it to him, you know, and to me, like, that's all that networking is. So if you can just like have, get out of your head, like you said, and just have like a really just nice, pleasant conversation so that somebody walks away from them and just be like, you know what? I feel positively about that person. If I ever like think of them, I may send them something their way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think especially when you haven't done much of it or when it's still kind of frightening to you there's this feeling that as soon as you go into a conversation that will become networking, there's this big sign blinking networking. And there's like a, there's like a, an understanding of who is getting what from whom. And like I said, like most of the time it is not number, number one, both sides are often benefiting from it. And number two, it, you know, it's, it's just not happening that way. Like most people are not thinking on that level where they're like, Oh, here we go. Here's a networking, like check this off. Um, I mean, things that I've connected with at, at Google, with people at Google, with people outside of Google, have been so diverse. I mean, I one time um, my manager had me meet with a director at our company, you know, someone who makes quite a lot of money and manages like 50 to 100 people. And she's like, hey, I want you to go talk to him because he's from Boston. He plays hockey. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I play hockey. So maybe, you know, I'll, I'll make a like, I'll make a joke about that. And then we'll like talk about you know, like networking. And I get in there and I ask him like one question. He like answers. He's like, yeah, but like, come on, let's talk about hockey. And we talked about hockey. And then like mm. every time I see him for the next four years, like, hey, Bill, how's it going? And he like talked to me about hockey. And again, that's someone who like, he, he just has like a better feel for who I am as a person. Uh, and, you know, I've talked to people about dog training. I've talked to people about, you know, I'm, I actually have gone back to school here in my spare time uh, and to, to work on like graphic design, just kind of as a, as a hobby. And so like talking to people about stuff like that, like any of this stuff helps, you know, kind of grease the skids for further, for the idea of networking happening later. It doesn't have to be, okay, we are having like a discussion about professional opportunities. Cause that's yeah. like, that's what everyone tells you networking is, but that's not what it is at all. No, not at all. Like, you know, listening to you tell that story um, about the hockey stories that like one of the best piece of advice that I got from a mentor was that like, you know, so oftentimes, you know, we end up thinking that, like, the thing that matters the most is your technical skills and your ability to do the job and, like, how personable you are and how likable you are. Like, it helps, but it's kind of like whatever. And at least in my experience, I found out, like, actually, those things are flipped. Like, it matters way more if you're likable, if people like working with you, if you're a good teammate. Because, like, you know, we can literally train anybody to do this. Like, that's the thing that most students don't understand is that, like, 
yo, when you get to a job, they will train you on how to do it. But can you be a good teammate? Can you be reliable? Do people enjoy working with you? Can you take initiative? Like, those are the things that really matter. And because, like, as you, like, probably know from yourselves, like, once you actually become an adult, you start working full time. Like, honestly, the people that you work with end up being some of the closest people to you because, like, you're just not seeing your friends and you don't have always have a chance to let's, like, you know what, we're just going to go hang out with so-and-so. Like, no, I guaranteed see these people for 40 to 50 hours a week outside of my family. Like, these are probably some of the closest people to me. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're seeing these people all the time. And uh, exa- you're exactly right about, like, when, when you're trying to decide. It's like, you want to you want, you know if someone has the capacity to learn something. But if someone demonstrates, number one, they have the capacity to, like, pick pick up a concept usually that's all I'm really looking for. It's like, I'm not asking you to understand our specific, like what are, what specific tools we use, but like, have you done this in a spreadsheet? Okay, cool. Then you can probably pick this up. Like, it's not that complicated. And number two, like, can you do this job on a person to person level? Can you interact with stakeholders? Can you convince people that what, what you're recommending is a good idea? Can you show them why it's a good idea? So like well enough so that they think it's their idea or so that they at least understand, oh, you're right, this this makes more sense than doing this other thing that I wanted to do. That sort of thing is is so tied to how personable you are and, and how your ability to just communicate on an empathetic level. It's it's a huge deal. So for the case students that's listening to this right now and may not have like any idea of what they want to do with their future. Like what advice would you give to them? Uh, I think I would say, do try to try to look into a lot of different things. Just ask people if you can buy them coffee and schedule, like schedule 15 to 30 minutes talking with them. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to do that. Especially if you ask them at the end, who else should I meet with? And then they send an email like connecting you. That has been extremely helpful for me. The other thing I would say, and this is something I didn't know coming out, is that I, I thought coming out, I was like, okay, I, I have a degree in the humanities. I have a degree in anthropology. This means that I'm not employable, right? And the truth of the matter is they do need people like you. They need people who are able to synthesize information. They need people who are able to think through these things on a really deep level. They need people who are able to communicate these things to a wide variety of people, to understand the different places that people are coming from, to understand uh, the different walks of life people may be coming from. So it's not like, like I work at like one of the standard tech companies and I work with so few engineers. Like there are, there are very few engineers that I work with on a day-to-day basis. Most people I'm working with are, if not like totally humanities-based, at least somewhat like that. So I would really encourage people just to not close the door because that is something that I would have definitely been tempted to do. And like I said, when I didn't get that first tech role, I was like, oh, I'm never going to work in tech. I, I'm going to work in something else. But like companies everywhere, all kinds of companies, all kinds of organizations need people like you. And just don't sell yourself short on that. That's a really great answer. Um, before we wrap up, um, is there anything else that you'd like to plug or anything you'd like to say to any case students that may be listening? Um, I, I will say like I have talked to a few, so a couple of case students have been brave enough to reach out via LinkedIn um, or you know via email or whatever. And I'm always happy to talk to them. I'm, I'm always happy to give advice and, and basically say the same things that I said today. I like hearing about what kinds of... Um, experience people are looking to get and what what kind of path they want to go on in their career. So 
I don't know if this is the place to say that, but I'm, I'm happy to help out if people want to reach out to me. No, that's totally the place to say that. And I will say that if you would like to um, figure out how to get in contact with um, alums like Bill, we recently just uploaded a two-minute uh, mini webinar on how to do that on um, the CCPD's YouTube channel, which Bill actually helped us get a hold re a hold of because that's a whole long story of how we end up losing control of that. But yeah, we actually have a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com backslash Kazu CCPD. Um, you can go on there and show, it'll show you how to find people on LinkedIn and then how to also um, find them on the alumni directory. Um, so feel free to check that out if you'd like to get his contact information. But that's it for this interview. Um, thank you, Bill, so much for being on my show. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I talked very fast. So uh, sorry, sorry if you have to like slow it down in editing or something. No, you are great. This is awesome. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. And welcome back. I always listen back to each episode before recording the intro and the outro. And I really enjoyed listening back to this interview. Bill was super fun to chat with, and he gave some really great advice about networking that I know you will find useful. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I'm going to forego my usual outro to let you know of a new position that will be available this fall in the CCPD to help work on this podcast. Doing the show has been a real passion project for me, and as much as I enjoyed doing it, as I mentioned in the intro, it can be really hard to keep a constant and regular release schedule with all the other responsibilities I have in the CCPD. So if you're listening to this, and you're a current student with previous experience in either audio or video editing, podcasting, or content creation, I'd love to chat with you about working to help with the production for the show and content creation for the CCPD. If you're interested, please send me an email at richard.sylvester at kzoo.edu or look out for a job posting on Handshake towards the end of summer. Career-ish was produced by the Center for Career and Professional Development at Kalamazoo College. The intro music is a song called Never Forget by Raj featuring Christopher Sims. The outro music is a song called Friend Shippers by Dave Fox. Information on where you can find all the music included in the show, including the bumper music and the links to our socials, can be found in the show notes of this episode. I want to thank Bill for coming on Career-ish and for a great conversation. I want to thank my colleagues in the CCPD for helping to produce this show. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Your time is valuable, and it means a lot that you would spend yours here with me. Until next time, thank you for listening, stay safe, and see you next time. Take it easy.